This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your host, Senior Financial Advisor Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing some questions from a client event that we had six months ago that we think are still at play today and interesting to discuss. Mike, at a recent client event, again six months ago, one of the questions that was asked from the audience was, when will interest rates stop going up? We've had a little bit of airtime to talk about that recently on a couple of podcasts, but it's interesting how six months ago that was still a headline, and it's still a headline today. Where we stand today, we've talked about the bank predictions, and they think that interest rates in Canada aren't going to go up. In fact, they think they might actually start head down a little. In the U.S., the prediction at this point is that interest rates may still continue to go up to cool down the economy. What's the reality? Do we know any better? No. And sometimes the government's actually putting things out there to, even without in, raising the interest rates, they can still have the same effect by saying they're going to raise the interest rates because that's, if you say you're going to raise the interest rates, even if you don't do it, it's going to slow the economy down and people are going to make moves based on that. So even the government isn't sure right now what they're going to do. One of the other questions from the audience was, would it be a good time to get tactical with investments? It always sounds like a good idea. It does. does. Tactical means you're involved, you're moving things around. You're not just sitting back doing nothing. You're actually involved in your portfolio. It's funny. In everything else in life, usually getting tactical helps out. When things are going wrong, you should go and do things and try to fix them. You know, you should be tactical. If something's going wrong with your car, you should go and try to fix everything on it and make sure it's running right. Everything in life, if you're having trouble in school, you should get tactical, figure out ways to go and improve your study habits and do all improve this stuff. Improve your sleep. Improve your sleep. There is a million things you can do. But lose with, weight. Lose, yeah. Everything is in life is tactical. The only place where tactical doesn't really work that well is on the investment frontier. You know, as you begin to play with it, what they consider your, your money as you play with it, it disappears. So the evidence, we always go back to the evidence, is that tactical strategies versus strategic strategies underperform in the neighborhood of 1% to 2% per year. And that can be the 10-year number. It can be the 20-year number. It can be the 30-year number. When you look at those two strategies, I've never once seen tactical outperform strategic over long periods of time. And I think the problem is people tend to get tactical in scary times because that's when they want to go and start to play with the portfolio. So at the most dangerous time that your portfolio is going to go through, you're going to start to mess with it. And you're typically going to go the wrong way on this. Another great question was, and this is for last year, and you know what? This year isn't dramatically different, but why are stocks and bonds both down? So what happened? Again, let's review what happened last year. So this is the one of the few times we've ever seen this. Generally speaking, when the stock market goes into some problem times, the government usually tries to fight this on and spur on the economy. So what the government generally does is they lower interest rates to try to create more money and wealth out there for the companies to start to recover. So this year we saw the, the market started to go down 
and the government had a more important decision on their hand was because as the markets were going down, inflation was starting to go up. There was a lot of pent-up demand from going on from COVID. There was a lot of supply chain issues, and these things all together made inflation start to poke its head. And the government had to focus more on the inflation target than they did on the stock market. And to control inflation, the only choice they had was to raise interest rates. So last year, we had a very unusual situation where the stock market was going down and the government, instead of lowering interest rates, were raising interest rates to try to fight inflation. That created both a stock and a bond fall last year. This year, bonds got off to a good start. And then we had a one increase in Canada, a couple of increases in the U.S. And before you know it, the bonds are basically break even for the year, even though their coupon has given them a reasonable return. Stocks were off to a great start. They were up between 6 and 8%. Now they're up between 0 and 2%. So things have changed very quickly in the first two and a half months of this year. The next question, what is the future impact of the Ukraine war? When we had this client event, the war was still going strong. We were six months, seven months into it. The war has now passed a full year and the war is still going on. I'm not sure what they're fighting for. Unfortunately, the country has been destroyed. It's just land at this point and pride. Yeah, and it's hard to tell what it's going to affect too. I was just reading an article today. It was talking about Corpus uh, Christi, uh, Christi down in the US and they have had... Uh, for multiple years now, the most exports of barrels of oil they've ever had. And again, what's going on right now is because of all the sanctions that put put on Russia, there's more demand for U.S. oil. So they're making money hand over fist in the U.S. selling oil now. And you'd think that oil would be a dead, everyone's driving Teslas now, you think that it would be dying. But U.S. is in, yeah, top oil production is going out of the U.S. right now because of the war in the Ukraine. So it's going to be bad for some people. It's good. Some people are going to profit off of it. The next question was a doozy. Are we headed for 1929? And again, this was asked six months ago. Tough to make a prediction on that. But I think the biggest difference, and we saw this happen just even over the last couple of days, governments know better what they need to do in times of crisis. They need to step in and show strength. Imagine 1929 when all this was go going on and the computer had not been invented. I think everyone gets gets this out of their head. They talked about 1929. Think of how difficult it must have been for the governments to figure things out. There was no fax machines. There was no computers. There was no anything. Word had to go through letters between institutions carried on by trains across the country to tell them what was going on, to see the financials from one company to the other. Think of how slow information would have moved and think of how different things are today. And not to say things can't go wrong and there isn't corruption and all that stuff does go on, but it's so much more advanced on the knowledge that's available on the banking systems. And again, we saw it recently with U.S. bailing out the FDIC, came out and bailed out a bank that got in trouble. And they want to make sure there's protection out there. Next question was another good one. Is the U.S. dollar safe? I'd be wrong to say that I always think the U.S. dollar safe, but it's probably the safest currency in the world still today. Yep. Whether it's going up or down over the next 12 months or 24 months, I have no idea. I'm luckily, nor does anyone else. When you travel anywhere in the world, they're always going, like, I'm going on a trip uh, tomorrow. I'm taking the U.S. dollars with me because <laughs> I'm not taking Canadian. No one's going to know what Canadian are. When I have a U.S. dollar, no matter which country you go into, they'll generally accept U.S. dollars. What about timing in real estate? So we've seen a pullback, especially locally, 15 to 20% in housing prices. 
I was looking at the paper on the weekend. They're saying, you know, prices are, are due to start going up. There's very little supply. There's still lots of demand. I don't know, again, whether it was the media hyping things again. But, you know, real estate is down. But as long as interest rates stay high, I don't see real estate starting to recover quickly. Yeah, I'm always lost on real estate. You know, there's a lot of reasons for it to go down, but Canada has great immigration. Or, and particularly the Toronto area, a lot of people in the world want to move to Toronto. So you're always guessing, you know, all the interest rate factors, all the affordability factors, all that stuff versus the amount of people that want to live in Toronto. And that's the unknown. We don't know how many people want to live in Toronto over the next period of time. Cryptocurrencies. Are you putting money in cryptocurrencies, Mike? It's had a great rally since the beginning of the year. It's up over 50%. I've never liked them since for the last four or five years, I've never had any interest in investing in cryptocurrencies. They're not investment. I've never seen them as an investment. I still don't. <laughs> the correction last year certainly surprised a few people. The rally again this year, the whole thing looks a little manipulated to me, but uh, again, we'll pass on that one. It's speculation and yeah, I mean, some people can like speculation, but we just don't invest in speculation. Will the current rally continue? So we've had a Pretty good rally from the end of September. Any predictions there or should we just ignore that one again? I'm going to ignore that one. <laughs> it's too difficult to predict. There's too many variables. You know, you've, A, you've got a 50% chance to start of being right or wrong. The problem is I don't feel I have enough information. And even if I did have perfect information, no one can predict the future. So I have no idea. What about investing in U.S. real estate? Invest in U.S. real estate, it's been a, there's more complexities to invest in U.S. real estate because, again, you've added U.S. tax issues, you've added currency issues and some things like that into it. So U.S. real estate, the one problem right now is you're, if you're buying with Canadian dollars, it's going to cost you a lot when you convert the money. U.S. real estate has been attractive because yields have been so low in Canadian real estate, particularly Toronto. You know, when I look at Toronto real estate, you usually have a cap, you know, a cap rate of one of uh you're making about one and a half to two percent on residential real estate, so it's not making that much. The U.S. seems to have much higher rates that you get, so a lot of people have been uh, moving down to the U.S. just to get better, you know, better pay for what they're investing in. Uh, Toronto real estate, the prices are so high, it's hard to justify uh, buying it for the rent you're going to get. You could buy, you know, at Toronto versus another major city at fifty cents on the dollar if the dollars were even. Yep, and they're not. So I'm not too sure about that one. Next is, what about chasing dividend stocks? So I went here and did a little bit of research because it's a question I often get and it's it's always a, a tricky one to answer. Here's the, the long-term data. Since 1927, non-dividend paying companies have earned an average of 13.4% per year whereas dividend-paying companies have earned 10.9% per year. There's a difference of about 1.5% for non-dividend-paying companies. That's a pretty big difference over time. I hear a lot about, oh, just buy dividend-paying companies and forget about it, but you're leaving behind a percent and a half of potential equity returns. You got to remember, companies don't pay dividends into their later stages. And the early growth, when a company really grows and moves... When you go for a small cap, small cap companies don't pay dividends, but they grow from small cap to large cap, and there's a lot of money made in that time period. Apple just started paying dividends, what, like 
six, seven years ago. I don't want to be quoted on that, but for a long time, Apple during its great growth stage never paid any dividends because with a company like Apple, dividends are extra money that's inside the company. It's an area of uh, profits beyond what they need uh, for capital. If you have a good, strong company, they can reinvest that money themselves and give yourself a better return. So for years, Apple was able to reinvest that money inside the company and produce a much greater return for all their shareholders than paying it out to them. Now, I did come across an interesting piece. In periods of rising interest rates, dividend companies have actually done a little bit better. So the numbers say, again, since 1927, during periods of rising interest rates, dividend companies have earned 10.8%, whereas low dividend paying companies have only earned 8.4%. The only problem is we don't know whether interest rates are going to continue rising, and nor does the Fed, nor does the Canadian government. So why would you suddenly shift into dividend-paying companies when the long-term history shows that they haven't really outperformed non-dividend-paying companies? We were just looking today, you know, in dividend-paying stock companies, the main thing you think of in Canada is the banks. And the banks, I, I always think the Canadian banks are have been a great investment, but in the last year... I mean, we were looking at the numbers and some of them were down 20 to 28, 29%. And that's in a strong, one of the main five banks in Canada. It's stunning how much they can actually come back. And most people still think they're very, and they are safe, but they're high dividend paying stocks and people forget about the fluctuation in price too. The last one is investing in gold. Do we believe in putting any gold in the portfolio and why not? Gold, not really. Gold has been, we went to a DFA conference years ago and I think Fama addressed gold. And the term is gold has always been known as a hedge for inflation because an ounce of gold has always been able to buy a good man's, a good suit for a man. That was, if you go back into the 1800s to the 1900s to the 1950s to today, if you buy a custom tailored suit, it's going to be around $1,500, $1,600. That's the price of an ounce of gold. So it has followed that from an inflationary point. The problem is, so has cash. And when they look at the difference in gold or cash, cash has followed inflation over the last 200 years too. If you invest in treasury bills or anything that's safe like that, and they have basically no standard deviation to them, which means there's no fluctuation. Gold follows the price, but has this massive fluctuation to it. And they say, why would you bother taking all that ups and downs into your life when all it does is match inflation? And there's another problem. If it normally buys a good man's suit, no one's buying suits anymore. I was actually out at a hockey game with a good friend of mine who's in the dry cleaning business. And he says, no one's wearing the suits anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, they're, they're, they're making their money elsewhere, but it's not on the suits. It's on dress shirts. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You 
been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.